I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast, and it is great to be with you. It's hard to think of something as precious as love or friendship. And yet, what do we do when someone that we love or a close friend tries to sway us away from our values? Many years ago, after we founded our day school in Portland, Oregon, I oversaw the school's financial aid process for several years. And during that time, a family came to me with the following request. Don't send us the full bill for tuition, they suggested. Instead, lower the amount of billable tuition. Our family members will make a donation to make up the difference. And that way, we can get you the money that you need for the school with a tax-free gift to the school. Now, these are friends of mine. I believe they were more naive than deceitful. And I explained that there's this thing in the United States called tax evasion, and it's not a good idea to do that. And plus, according to the plan, the school would have to write a letter stating falsely that no goods or services were received for the donation. Now, sometimes people who are close to us want us to do something wrong, or they're mixed up with a bad business and they want us to get involved. They may have bad intentions, or maybe they're foolish or desperate, or some combination. Either way, we should not follow them. The truth is that when someone tries to seduce us into something we shouldn't do, it may very well be someone who is close to us, a friend or a loved one. After all, those are the people that have access to us. How do we deal with a situation in life where someone that we know and love tries to sway us against our better judgment? This is a prevalent theme in the Torah. The Torah and Devarim present situations when someone entices you to do what the Torah poses most, idolatry. And that person enticing you is a close, beloved family member or friend, the Torah says. How will you withstand that pressure? The Torah says, Ki asiska chitha benimecha o vincha o vidcha o eisheskekecha o reacha asher kanafshecha beseitr lemor. If your brother or your son or your daughter is the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is like your own soul will entice you secretly saying, Nelcha v'navda Elohim acherim, let us go and worship other gods. This is a fascinating verse. Not only does it refer to a friend who is like your soul, but Eishas Chekacha, the Torah says, the wife of your bosom, as the word Chek means bosom. Additionally, Rashi writes that the Hebrew word Chekacha is similar to the word Chakuk, ingrained. The wife who lies close to you, your influence is ingrained indelibly within you. What if it is that beloved wife or this friend like your soul who seeks to sway you? The Torah insists that we may not heed to them. You should not accede to them, not hearken to him, not take pity on him. The phrase, you should not accede, can be translated in terms of desire or love. In other words, you shall not desire this friend and show them the love and support that you would normally want to show. Under normal circumstances, we must love our fellow. After all, says Rashi, there is a mitzvah of kamocha. you shall love your fellow as yourself. Here is an instance where that love needs to be withheld. Now this is profound. The people you love, your spouse, your fellow Jew, whom you're commanded to love. Here you're commanded to withhold that love and walk away. Recently, I came across a story of a son who discovered that his father was involved in a domestic terrorist plot. And the son was stunned and distraught to discover, over time, that his father was helping to amass weapons for an illicit plot that the dad planned to be part of. 
Somehow the FBI got wind of it and they got in contact with the son and the boy informed the authorities about his own father's activities. The son clearly did the right thing, traumatic as that was. After all, father was putting people in danger. And the son sharing this information led to the father going to prison. And yet the son's activities divided the family. So what a powerful example this is about how people close to one another can present a test for one another. And so when we go back to these verses about enticing towards idolatry, it's startling to consider this demand that is made of us. How can we forsake those who love us? The evil that we're dealing with here is Vodazara idolatry. Idolatry is a prevalent concern in Sefer Devarim, as the Torah calls upon us to forsake idolatry. And then later in Malachim, the book of Kings, we continuously find that a king of Israel, a Melech, was judged by one central factor. A wicked king was one who served idols, whereas a tzaddik, a righteous king, was one who served Hashem, who served God. Our, our, our Torah famously commands us to destroy the idolatrous city and all that it contains. The Torah says, destroy it. There shall not cleave unto your hand a trace amount of the banned property. Not only may we not perform idolatry, not only can we not partake in an idolatrous service, we may not have in our possession even a trace amount of material that was once dedicated to idolatry. And there's numerous restrictions and fences around this prohibition. Our rabbis teach us that if there's an idolatrous church in town, don't say, let us go meet outside of temple such and such. You're not even supposed to mention it. Why is it that idolatry is so problematic to such a level? The answer is simple. The Torah says, Bani matem Hashem You are all children unto Hashem, your God. But when a person submits to an idol, even a human authoritarian figure, it's not just that they've done something bad or wrong. The idol worshiper goes through a change. Their loyalty now is transferred to that idol or authority. Authoritarian figures often demand absolute loyalty, making themselves out like gods. And as Jews, we are children unto Hashem, and our loyalty is only to God. Now, what about our times? The world we live in is different than the ancient world. We don't have the same prevalence of idolatry that our ancestors saw, though it still exists. But even when we don't see idolatry, we still face the problem because idolatry is more than just the act of kneeling before an idol or an image. Idolatry can be understood as an identity. For the idolater, a force, a personality other than God, forms their identity. There's many circumstances where people take on a questionable identity foreign to Judaism. Imagine a place where people worship materialism and status symbols. In some places, all they talk about is the stock market. And the mark of a good man in that place is the car they drive, the ritzy house they reside in. If we live in that world, we're going to be impacted. When the chevra or society that we hang with adopts an identity, a way of thinking, we're going to take that on and we're going to breathe that identity into the air around us. It's really what the Rambam says. The Rambam writes about this in Hilchos Deus in the Mishnah Torah. 
And he says that Derech Briaso Shala Adam Lios Nimshach Bedeosov Umasov Achareov Shutaverov. It is the nature of a human being to be drawn in their deeds and ideas after their friends and associates. Vinoheg Kiminhag Anche Medinaso. And they'll behave like the people of their locale. Lufichach, therefore, Sarich Adam Lishabr Sadikim, a person needs to cling unto the righteous. And dwell with wise sages all the time to learn from their deeds. In fact, the Rambam surprisingly goes even further than this, because what do you do when your whole city is wicked? Well, the answer, says the Rambam, is that you need to pick up and leave your city for a new place where there are righteous people. And if you cannot find such a place, then what do you do? Says the Rambam, figure out how to live by yourself. Go out into the wilderness so you cannot be influenced, will not be influenced, by those who are, have ill actions. Now, needless to say, one questions the practicality of such an approach of going to live out in the wilderness, but regardless, we can see just how seriously the Rambam takes the influence of our society and the friends around us. We can certainly see this in our own times, how much people get swept away with their society, be it live people or be it on the internet. And when you think about it in this light, when Judaism teaches that we're children of Hashem, it serves that our identity is following and is worshiping God. As we remark in the Shabbos morning Shachris, we say, Vayismach Moshe Moshe rejoiced in his portion, for you, God, called him a faithful servant. Moshe was overjoyed in realizing his true identity as a servant of God. If our identity is serving God, then idolatry is the opposite of that aspiration. Idolatry is when we turn away from the Creator, we bow to a force other than the Master of the universe. And that act of worship changes us. It warps us. It changes our values. So what can we do? Are we to simply run away from society, as the Ramam seems to suggest? in far-out, difficult circumstances. The real solution is that we need to understand the people closest to us impact us. And that really points to our calling. We must cultivate a group of friends who support our mission, our identity. We need to think carefully, who is that friend that we consider like our own soul? A young person who gets married should know that their spouse will leave an indelible imprint upon them. Rambam teaches us to seek out tzaddikim, people who will influence us for the good. In fact, that is such an essential part of Judaism. We not only came together for the Korban Pesach during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, the temple, but today, every single day, we come together with minyan, gathering with our fellow tzaddikim. When we get together with a minyan or with our community, we're coming together with other people that support our identity as servants of God. So we strive to place ourselves together with a Jewish society, a tevra, that will impact us for the good. And when we do that, we're strengthening ourselves in the beautiful identity that the Torah gave to each and every single one of us. You are all children unto Hashem, your God. Thanks for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.